Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and thank you so much for tuning into this week's Food for Thought, a podcast that's on a mission to equip you all with the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each of the 12 episodes, I'll be joined by guests, all of whom are experts in their field, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. The links between where we live or work and our health and well-being are nothing new, but applying wellness to our home environment are really beginning to gather momentum. With science confirming the likes of layout, daylight, nature, colour, air, quality, ergonomics, sense and so much more all significantly influencing our well-being. This week's Food for Thought sees Dr. Cloda Campbell and I explore ways in which we can make our personal spaces improve our physical and mental health. Hello Cloda. Hi there, how are you doing? Oh, I am very, very well. All the better for speaking to you today because I think um, I think a lot of us want the answers that you're going to reveal in this podcast, especially after working from home in lockdown and learning to, I guess, settle back into the office after so long. I mean, that's quite a challenge, isn't it? More than we think. Yes, it is. And when I think about this, I really consider the fact that over the last year, longer, we've had all of these changes to adapt to. You know, our lives have changed so much. And when I consider myself, it really took me probably the guts of a year to get used to, I suppose, my new normal. Mm. So now as we adapt back to how things were pre-COVID, it's going to take us time to adapt back, even though it was the way we were living for so long before, because our lives have been changed so drastically over the last year, it will take us time to adapt back. So when I consider how, to, how we can help ourselves with that, 
I think it's to be mindful of that. If you're struggling, if you're feeling anxious, if you're worrying about how it's going to be to be back in a new environment, to be around people again, to socialize, to have small mm. talk, all of that is so normal. Um, so to be gentle with yourself, to pace yourself, to take things at uh, in a way that feels right and feels safe and feels comfortable to you. And as we adapt again and as we get used to this new change again, life will definitely feel easier. We'll feel less anxious. We'll get more used to this new way of being, even though it was our old way of being, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's been, it has been such a journey for everybody, a very sad one for so many. And you're right, it's not going to suddenly happen overnight. And I, for one, have noticed small changes even in my voice. So I've noticed that I didn't speak probably, I mean, I spoke to my son, it's just not the same. You know, you don't speak and do the small talk. And I noticed that it's quite a strain even on my vocals having to do a lot more talking than I used to do, which is something I didn't even appreciate. I think there's so many aspects to this, let alone the mental health aspect that that's pretty huge. So what would be your top advice to find a balance, I guess, between I think working from home and the office, I think there's a new way of working now emerging that a lot of people probably won't go back into an office full time. Yes, I think so too. We've learned over the last year that we can do a lot more from home or a lot more virtually. Um, and it's funny because over the last month or so, I've been talking about this a lot on my Instagram. This long-term COVID fatigue, this emotional fatigue that we've all been experiencing. And it really is overflowing now into our fears of connection because for so long we felt so disconnected. And even people who prior to COVID would have labeled themselves as extroverts and social butterflies are saying to me now, I'm feeling quite anxious about being around people. I I don't know if I have the skills that I used to have to engage yeah. in conversation or to feel comfortable and safe around other people. So when I hear that, I think to myself, well, if even people that before would have thought that they were very extroverted are feeling it, how are people who, you know, would class themselves as introverts and yeah. who would have struggled with that even before um, life changed, how are they finding things? And I know I, for one, I'm feeling quite ambivalent. There's so much of what we've lost over the last year that I've really missed and I've really yearned over the last six months for doing the things that brought me so much joy before. But now that society and our environments are reopening, there's also a part of me that's thinking, oh God, am I ready? Mm. Am I able? Um, will I be able to manage myself? Yeah. And I imagine a huge number of people listening will be feeling that too. So when considering adapting, it's to be mindful of that, to check in. We so rarely check in with ourselves. We go with the flow. We do what we're asked to do. But to check in with yourself, to stop and pause and ask, how am I doing? How am I finding this transition? How am I finding adapting back to, you know, pre-COVID? Um, and I always think writing down how we're feeling 
just putting pen to paper, taking five minutes of your day, whether it's first thing in the morning or Mm. maybe before you go to bed, can be hugely beneficial in creating that awareness for yourself. Because if you're aware of how you're feeling, you can do something about it. Yeah. And when I say you can do something about it it might be talking to your employer and and asking can I pace myself can I go back one day a week initially or even for a morning just to see how I find it you know there's so many layers to this it might be that people are feeling anxious about being in the office environment it might be that people are feeling anxious about their commute it you know there's a whole host of things that can be going on for people at the moment so take things slow check in with how you're doing And if you're struggling, ask yourself, what can help me with this struggle? Who can I talk to? Talking to your friends about this will be so helpful because we're all experiencing it, you know? So doing it at a pace that feels right for you, trying to stagger it, trying to, um, I suppose, build a plan with yourself and with your employer that feels Mm -hmm. right in terms of how much time you spend working from the office, how much time you spend working from home and finding a balance and a rhythm that you feel comfortable with. And don't forget, we can change these things. We can build a routine for ourselves now and it can change in a month's time or two Mm. months time or six months time. So be gentle with yourself. And, you know, we're all struggling in our own ways at the moment. I think being gentle and slow is, is a really, really good tip there because, I know that the minute lockdown was kind of lifted in the UK here, where when I say lifted, I mean, you know, we were able to go places and sit inside a cafe or something. There was an overwhelming influx in my nutrition clinic with obviously our, our disordered relationships with food, um, nerves there spiking and peaking. Um, I myself as, as a new mum, and I know that you've got a little one, as all those anxieties of how do you suddenly navigate being a mother in society again, or I've never done it before, so how do you... How do you go out with a baby? All these types of things. I think a lot of people were suddenly like, ah, this is crazily overwhelming and everything was booked up. Um, and it felt messy. And in terms of mess, I guess having a clean working environment surely is one thing maybe we can do to clean our mind. Does that work? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and this is something that I consider a lot from a personal um, perspective, but also in terms of when I talk to other people in my work. So I know for me, I hate being in a messy environment. It just does nothing for my energy levels. I feel really overwhelmed. I feel really stressed. I'm the type of person that I'll have to tidy up before I sit down in the evening. Mm. And I think we're either one or the other often. Uh, either we don't mind it, we don't see it, it doesn't impact us, or it's something that really does impact us. So in terms of our environment, in terms of our desk, yes, having a organized, clear desk can really impact our anxiety levels, our stress levels, it can impact our productivity, our focus, the clarity that we have in our working day, So it can really impact our mental health and our comfort and our functionality hugely. Mm, Exactly. And I know a lot of people talk about, um, is it it called feng shui? Is that, do you know anything about that? You know, organizing the house in a way that, that can be beneficial? So I, I'm not an interior designer, but I am a psychologist and I do know that 
there are certain aspects um, or certain ways that we can create our environment to help us to feel relaxed, mm. safe, comfortable, harmonious, um, related to what we surround ourselves with, uh, related to how much sunlight is in our room, related to the colours that we choose, mm. the way we lay out our rooms. So for example, I'm sitting at the moment in a blue room. Blue has a really calming effect on our mind. Um, it helps us to feel relaxed. It helps us to feel peaceful. We also can do that through our sense of smell. So the scents that we choose for ourselves. So I know I adore lavender. Yes. Again, lavender has these really relaxing, calming benefits. Or for example, if we're trying to energize ourselves at the start of our workday, if we burn citrus or orange scents or peppermint, this can really help us to feel more alive. It can help us to feel more clear, more focused. Um, I mentioned sunlight there, and this is a big thing for office spaces or for the space, your workspace that you set up for yourself at home. If we are exposed to sunlight, so through maybe moving our desk closer to a window, pulling back blinds that might be blocking the sunlight, or even placing some mirrors strategically in our room to kind of reflect the sunlight that's coming in, this can have a huge, huge impact on our mood. The more sunlight we're exposed to, the more serotonin that's mm. released in our brain. So this helps us to feel better. Serotonin is our kind of happiness hormone. Um, the more sunlight we're exposed to, the more vitamin D that we make in our bodies. Um, and also the more uh, melatonin that our body uh, creates, which helps us with sleep. So being out in sunlight as well, or being exposed to it in yes. our rooms, can really help our body clocks. It can really help us to get into a good rhythm, which will help our sleep. So uh, it also hugely impacts the cortisol levels in our body. So cortisol is our stress hormone. So a study in 2010 found that um, the more daylight that we're exposed to, um, the less cortisol that we release. So it really helps with our stress levels and our anxiety levels too. I mean, it makes sense that when the weather's pretty dismal, we don't feel our best. And what you've just said there is, is the fact that we can pretty much design our home then in a way that can create more positive um, feelings, more positive thought processes, which is incredible. I guess it's an area that I myself had never really considered before, um, especially when I, I think of my clinic in London, actually. Uh, yeah, I definitely am going to make sure that the room is open wide to as much sun as I can <laughs> get in it or pop a mirror on the other side now. But what about when it comes to technology then? So if we're going to redesign our home and we know our cortisol levels can be impacted by our working environment, does technology have a similar impact on, on our mindset? Yes, so technology is one of these things that as a busy working mum, it can really help my life. So I jot down my schedule in my phone. I might make lists on my phone. There's apps that I use to make my life easier, to make me feel more organized. But it's really important um, for us to, to limit technology, to 
be really mindful of how much screen time we're having and also how much screen time our family or our children are having. Mm. Um, Technology really impacts, for example, blue light from our phones and from the TV can really impact um, our brain. So at nighttime, when we're trying to prepare for sleep, our brain can be really active if it's exposed to a lot of blue light. So if we can limit the blue light that we're, uh, I suppose, allowing into our system at nighttime, it can really help us to feel more relaxed, more ready for sleep. I, another thing that's really huge when it comes to technology is it can hugely impact our relationships. Yes. So research shows that the people that are most active on social media, for example, feel the most disconnected, feel the most lonely. And I even from a personal point of view, when I'm at home and I have my phone in front of me or my laptop or my iPad, if I'm working or if I'm catching up with an email, there have been so many times that my daughter is speaking to me or she's doing something funny in front of my eyes um, where she's hoping from some, you know, from a reaction from me that I haven't noticed because I'm so absorbed in what's in front of me. So technology can really disconnect us from the people around us and from the world around us. And that's the thing that really gets me. Do I want to live my life with my face in my phone or do Mm. I want to connect with the people around me? Because it's through connection, um, particularly with our relationships, that we receive the most joy and the most happiness in our lives. So I suppose there's some food for thought Mm. for yeah. For listeners just now, you know, how much of your time do you want to give to technology and how much do you want to give to the people around you? Oh, I know. And I, I think it's hard because in the past year, we've been so reliant on technology. Um, I don't personally know how I would have got through the last year without having the distractions of the social media aspect of my business or the, you know, Zoom calls with my family, particularly when I was expecting my little man it's it's tough but knowing that that has caused I almost think the last year has caused a disconnect with our social skills obviously we've been more isolated but you know I'm now a bit anxious I've got to admit I don't like picking up the phone I don't know what it is but I don't like taking phone calls I prefer to whatsapp do you think there's something there about the way we use technology in terms of interaction we we don't want to interact but we do I think it can come back to control and feeling a sense of safety Mm. when we whatsapp or when we email we're in control we have time to prepare what we're going to say we aren't going to be um you sometimes you're on the phone and somebody says something and it can really throw you off you know Mm. it takes you a second to consider how am I going to respond to that? Or, gosh, I wasn't expecting them to say that. Whereas if we're emailing or if we're texting uh, or if we're on social media, we have time to compose ourselves. We have time to think. We're not going to be caught off guard. Um, And, you know, in one way, what difference does it make if we're caught off guard? If we show our vulnerability that we don't know the answer to something or we aren't quite sure what the person has asked us, But these are things that we can worry hugely about. Mm. It helps us to feel safer and more in control and more comfortable if we have time to consider and write a considered response. So I wonder if some of that is at play for Mm. you. I know that it definitely can be at play for me. Mm. For example, if I need to have a difficult conversation with somebody, 
it can be really tempting to write an email or to send a text message and to say, you know, I felt really hurt by that or I'm not quite sure about, you know, what happened earlier. But we know that through having these conversations in person or over the phone where, you know, we can hear the tone of the other person's voice, where we can control our own tone of voice, that it can help us to feel much more connected. It can feel much more natural. Um, We can feel more strongly connected Mm -hmm. to the other person. But I know for me, definitely, if somebody said to me, you need to have a really difficult conversation, would you prefer to do it by email or in person? Uh, I I probably would feel, uh, I'd probably prefer to choose the email, but I know deep down that that in-person conversation is always going to be best and you're always going to get the best results from it. But yeah, I think it's our sense of safety and control. It's so true though, because you know, I'm working on a lot of projects at the moment and I, I do find that um, when things are a bit lost, they can be lost in translation on an email and it's much easier to pick up the phone even though that's not what you want to do and just have that chat and hear the tone of tone of voice, like you said, accounts for so much. Um, you can really pick up what somebody's feeling from the way they present and their tone of voice. I guess, so if I move away from the technology aspect and we talk about routines, as a psychologist and someone that works in this area, and I know that you know, you're know you also a mother, do you find that routines work just as well for adults as they do for our, our younger generations? Yes, so the research shows that routines can be hugely beneficial for us. But again, like with clutter and you know people really reacting strongly to to clutter and then other people not noticing it at all Mm. with routines we can uh, also find the same thing so there's some people that crave routine that love being organized that love planning out each hour of their day and then there's other people that loves that love spontaneity and that love doing things as they come to them that are really creative and hate the thought of being tied down to routine and structure I definitely fall uh, in within the kind of half of people that love routine. Yeah, I do. I cr- <laughs> yeah, I crave um, knowing what's next. It feels safe. It feels. It helps me to think that I can manage, you know, what's ahead. Um, it can help me prepare, and mm. it can help me achieve the goals that I set out for myself. So routine does all of those things, and it can help us to be really productive. It can help us to be really focused. It can help us to really look after ourselves and our health. So if we have a good routine, we can eat healthier, we can exercise, we can build self-care into our day, we can sleep much better. Uh, If we have the same wake time and same bedtime every day, that really helps with our body clock. Mm. Uh, It can help us to just feel less anxious, less stressed. It can help with our mood. Um, so yes, routine can help hugely. And we see it with babies, don't we? Babies oh, yeah. love routine. Yeah. They love knowing what's next. They thrive on it. Um, and it means that we're giving them what they need at the right time. Of course, our routines are always led by them as well. Uh, as with our own routines, you know, they're flexible. They can change. We need to adapt them to our needs and our lives and where we're at at any given time. But yes, the research shows that we thrive off routine. We, we live healthier lives. We live more productive lives. 
Mm, exactly. It's so true. I think you do, like you said, our body clock, you end up sleeping better. Cortisol can be controlled. You're getting a certain amount of daylight. All the things we've discussed really can fit quite nicely into a routine. But equally, if you are someone, as Claudia just said, that isn't a big fan of a routine, then you've got you've got to make little changes that I, th I think work for you. It's knowing what works for you. And a lot of our clients in, in the repression clinic at the moment have found that when they're outside of their routine, their relationship with food also tends to um, not improve and tends to go backwards a little bit. They take a few steps back. Do you find working in your line of work as well that you have a lot of people at the moment over the last year saying, oh, you know, I just keep going to the fridge or, you know, the snack drawer and I just can't seem to stop myself? Are you, are you hearing a lot of that kind of relationship with food as well? Um, yes, that has been something that I've been hearing hugely, mm. particularly in the last couple of weeks, actually, the last couple of months when we have been faced with this new change, with the world reopening and people's anxieties are heightened, people's stress levels are heightened. And a huge part of going to the fridge or snacking can be related to emotional eating. Yeah. So people do it when they are feeling bored or they're feeling sad or they're feeling anxious or they're feeling overwhelmed mm. it can be a comfort thing um you know we can be feeling all over the place we can feeling like we need something to soothe ourselves, and food can be something that people think will soothe them so they go and they'll grab carbs or they'll grab something salty mm. and they'll feel that through eating that it's going to satisfy this inner sense within them or this inner void when really we know that eating isn't going to isn't going to help with these emotions that we're experiencing because we need to work through them acknowledge them process them or comfort them in a way that is going to work so for example if somebody's feeling really anxious I will get them to consider well number one why they think that the anxiety is present what mm. has triggered it but also then how do they think they can soothe themselves or how do they think they can process that anxiety to help them to feel better? I, I always think when it comes to soothing, it's like soothing a child. So if you consider your little boy or if I consider my girls, what can we do to make them feel better when they're distressed? Mm. We can rub them, we can rub their hair, we can rub their arms. We can speak to them in really comforting ways and we can acknowledge and validate how they're feeling. So if they're feeling sad or if they're feeling angry, we will react to that, we'll respond to that and we'll mirror that to them. Mm. We give them a little cuddle, you know, help them feel safe and secure um, or we distract them. Yeah. So these are all techniques that we can use as well as adults. We all have a little inner child within us that needs to be comforted and soothed and we can do that but we can do that without reaching for the fridge or without reaching for the snacks um so distraction for example could be turning on your favorite music and dancing around the kitchen yeah. can be going for a walk and ringing a friend and having a chat with a friend about how you're feeling it can be running the bath and having a really relaxing comforting bath um, it can be reading a book. So all of these things can soothe us and comfort us in ways that uh, we don't feel comforted by food, even though it's something that we automatically reach and something that we think is going to make us feel better. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? 
uh, I think so much of well, food and psychology are they work together hand in hand, closely interacted or close interaction rather with the two. And you've mentioned there, you know, some nice things that work as well. And is does the same apply for perhaps some um, things we should consider before going to bed? Because there's that interim period in the evening where I think a lot of people will just be a bit lost, not sure what to do with themselves. Um, maybe that's when snacks creep in as well. Or I guess unwinding, a lot of people tend to watch TV right before they go to bed. But is there really a right or wrong way to do it? Should we have more considerations before we go to sleep? Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yes, I think if we can be mindful about our environment, about our behaviors before bedtime, we can set a really good kind of evening or nighttime ritual or routine where we wind down. We help ourselves relax. We put away the screens so the blue light isn't going to impact our brain we if for example as well if people are really anxious or really stressed I always recommend bringing in some journal writing to write down how you're feeling as part of your routine so we can set our evening routines up to help us to get ready for bed to give ourselves the best chance of having a good night's sleep because sleep is so hugely important Mm. when it comes to our mental and physical health Um, I love burning lavender. It really helps me to feel relaxed. I love having a bath in the evening. I love leaving my phone in another room or scheduling that I don't, you know, have my phone after 9pm, for example, Uh, or having your bedroom or your upstairs of your house or, you know, your sleep quarters of your home to be technology free. So we can definitely create uh, ways for us to feel more relaxed to wind down, to feel more ready for sleep. And we can take away stressors as well. 
So what mm. I mean by that is we can not watch the nine o'clock or the 10 o'clock news because that can be a real stressor for us. Oh, yeah. We can, um, we can steer clear of social media for some time before bed. We can steer clear of caffeine. We can steer clear of phone conversations if we think they're going to overly stimulate us or if some of the people that we have in our life sometimes change our energy levels. They can make us feel more drained. They can really uh, turn on our anxiety so we can hugely impact our our sleep through how we spend our time in the, the hours that lead up to, to bedtime. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it's, it's almost um, one of the the most underrated things I think you can do is create a sleep environment. Like you said, taking technology out and laptops out and keeping them just in another room or downstairs or even under the bed, um, just something that's um, out of out of mind. I, I do think that um, in terms of having a positive mindset, that can make a lot of a lot of difference. Something that even I'm asked sometimes. So how do you, you know, how are you so chirpy? And I have to say that there's, I don't know if it stems back to my performance days, but sometimes I can switch it on in my head and it really does help my day. I don't know how to describe that in psychological terms of how to create a positive mindset, but what would you say on that subject or any advice you could give our listeners to creating a positive outlook? Um, so the first thing I would say is that it's something we need to work on. It's something that we need to be mindful of and create for ourselves. I love practicing gratitude. It's something that I build into my life every single day. And for people who are new to gratitude, it's something that if we practice it, if we get, we can get much better at it and our brain literally changes. The more we practice gratitude, the more thankful, the more grateful we feel and, you know, in a more natural way, it's not as forced. So if we can build optimism, gratitude and things like happiness and joy into our lives mm. and self-belief, self-belief is a huge thing as well. It will really help us to achieve our goals. It will really help us to experience our life as positive and to see, I suppose, the abundance around us, what we have in our lives, if we can focus on the good and the what we have, it will lead us to seeing more good everywhere. And it will lead us to seeing just how fortunate we are to have what we have. Mm. Uh, I often share a story on my Instagram or in the corporate talks that I do about I hate exercise it's just mm. not something that I'm naturally good at something that I have to really work into my day but I used to cycle to and from work and it was just building exercise into my routine in a way that it was habit and I didn't think too much about it but I also really dislike rain so one day on my cycle I got caught in the rain and these are two things that I don't enjoy <laughs> exercise and rain and I was feeling really sorry for myself and I was feeling really angry and really frustrated and it was at the time that I was working really hard and introducing gratitude into my life. So I thought to myself, I really need this now. I really need to think of the things that I'm grateful for. So I thought to myself, I'm so lucky and so grateful to be healthy enough to be cycling home in the rain where my biggest worry is that I'm getting wet. And that really changed how I was perceiving the situation. 
it really helped my anxiety and my um, crankiness and my frustration to dissipate. And I was feeling so thankful for the rest of that cycle home. And I knew as well that when I got home, I had warm, comfortable clothes to change into. Mm. I had a shower to wash off the rain and to heat up through. Um, So gratitude and how we perceive our world really impacts our enjoyment of life. It really impacts the joy that we experience. Joy as well is something that we can work on. We can introduce joy into our life to help us to feel happier, to help us to really appreciate everything that we have. Um, And as I said, self-belief is huge too. If we can believe in ourselves, if we can work on our mindset, our mind frame, on that inner critic that Mm. is so present for so many of us, it can really change our life. These things can be transformational and it can really help us to achieve our goals and live happier lives, which is what I'm all about. Oh, 100%. And that leads me on nicely to some questions from our listeners for you, um, Claudia. Now, Elle has said, I really don't like my boyfriend's negative language. How can I get him to speak nicer, she said, at home? Uh, I can really (laughs) imagine um, how this must feel for Elle. And the thing that I would consider or recommend to her first is to sit down and to have a conversation with him about it to tell him how it makes her feel why it makes her feel that way and even before this conversation unfolds for Elle to even consider what it is that she that makes it feel so uncomfortable for her for example does this language remind her of somebody else in her life from her childhood was Mm. there somebody that she didn't particularly love being around that used to to use these terms or used to speak in this way um so for her to consider that for herself to have a conversation with her partner about this and maybe if he understands how she feels he might be open to making some changes But then there's also that other part of us that we need to accept our partners as well. You know, we need to accept the things about them that we don't necessarily love um, or that make us feel uncomfortable because they're, you know, with everybody, there's always going to be something. Uh, My, with my husband, it drives him mad that I, I organize everything and I tidy everything around us because it helps with my anxiety levels. So that's a part of me that he's had to learn to accept over the years. Mm. Uh, But through us talking about it, we try to find a compromise um, and a way for us both to be in that environment and both to feel as comfortable and as safe and um, as relaxed as, as possible. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's all conversation and dialogue and communication and just discovering what works for you, isn't it? And having that chat. I, I think, um, oh, this is actually a very good question. I've just seen it. So Ophelia, that's another really nice name, Ophelia. I said, my curtains let in a bit of light on the side. Um, She said, is this the difference between a better night's sleep? Now, I know you mentioned earlier that cortisol levels and the room and the environment, do you think that could be making a difference? So when we consider our sleep environments, how we set ourselves up for sleep and how we create a sleep environment does make a difference. Um, so when we consider sleep and having the the best night's sleep, we do consider the darkness of the room, the temperature of the room, the comfort of our bedclothes, our pillows. Mm. Um, at the moment, I'm ordering blinds for my daughter's room. Yes. And I'm so mindful that 
my, the light definitely disturbs their sleep. Mm-hmm. So I know that they they do wake earlier um, if the room is brighter. And it's something that sleep consultants will mention if you're working with them all the mm, time. Yeah. How dark is the room? Yeah. Um, whether it's the morning or whether it's the evening time and it's really bright in the summer. So yes, uh, how dark your room is definitely impacts your sleep. Yeah, I have to say blackout blinds in my little one's room was a lifesaver. And then I bought one of them for myself. It says baby blind, but I still put it on my window and it really helps with my sleep as well. So Ophelia, I hear you there and it's been confirmed. Um, Danny has said, I'm a little scared of the pressures of late nights in the office. How can I manage my anxiety? Now, I know a lot of people in the line of work they're in may be expected you know to do very long hours and to almost go back like we said earlier to that mentality what would be your your words of wisdom there Clodagh? So firstly I would say that so many people I imagine are feeling this way at the moment Mm. we've been working from home and we've had more control over our routines um, and over the time that we turn off and turn on our laptops I think there's also this added uh, pressure when you're in the office with other people and you see other people are staying longer. That adds to the uh, the pressure that we put on ourselves thinking, gosh, should I be doing this too? Yeah. So firstly, I would say I would normalize and validate how this person is feeling. It's totally normal to be feeling this way. It's totally okay to be feeling this way. There's lots of ways that we can help alleviate our anxiety be it through just using our breath. So just taking deep, slow belly breaths, even for 30 seconds or a minute can be hugely helpful when you're feeling that surge of anxiety. It resets our system. It tells our body that we're safe and that there aren't any threats around. So it stops the release of kind of stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline surging through our body. So we can manage our anxiety. Breathing is one way. Relaxation exercises are another thing. Writing down how you're feeling can help hugely, especially in that kind of um, example. There's also the the fact that we can work smarter if we yeah. manage our time better. It it uh, it can help us to work shorter hours, but to achieve more. I read recently that in a, an average um, eight hour workday. The, the typical person procrastinates for two of those eight hours. Wow. So if we can get, <laughs> yes. Gosh. So if we can get better at managing our time and our productivity, this can also help us to work shorter hours. And the last thing I would say is that pressure that the person might be perceiving to consider if that's external or if it's internal so yeah. if it's coming from your bosses to consider that and it might need you might need to have a conversation with them or often we put this pressure mm. on ourselves mm. um so it might be having a conversation with your colleagues with your boss or building that awareness within yourself writing down again journaling where does this pressure come from why do I feel like I need to prove myself? Do I need, do I feel like I need to work longer hours to be perceived as worthy when often that's not the case? No, yep, you're right. Very, very good things to have a think about there. Now, we do move on to our fact or fiction round. Are you ready? <laughs> this is the part that I've been most anxious about <laughs> speaking of anxiety. <laughs> But let's do it. Go for it. Do not, but you have no need to be anxious if you could answer fact or fiction <laughs> to the following. 
Loving your work is key to happiness at home. Fact, I think our work has such a huge impact on our lives. Mm. If we're not happy in our work, if you consider how much of your life do you give to your work? Oh, how much? How much does your life impact your joy and your happiness levels? It's huge. So I think, yes, if we're not happy in work, we're, I don't think our lives are going to be happy. Uh, so I would answer that as fact. Wonderful. To have effective workouts at home, you need professional equipment. No, uh, fiction. <laughs> Any elements of nature indoors helps increase our happiness. Fact. Lovely. And having a morning juice instead of breakfast will boost my energy. Oh my goodness, you are definitely the expert when it comes to this. I would say uh, fiction. Yeah. Um, video calling rather than telephone calling is more happiness. I would say fiction with that one. Mm -hmm. Healthier living is more expensive. Oh, this is a difficult one, I think, mm. because, for example, I know with food, um, if we make kind of organic choices, which are, you know, we could say that they're the healthier options, that, that that is more expensive and that's better for our bodies. But then again, getting out for a walk in nature um, is free. So many of the things that I do to look after myself, like mm. walking in nature, as I said, like breathing, like meditating, they can all be free and they can be things that we can do no matter where we are. So I think in the general sense, maybe I'll go with fiction because yes. there are definitely there are definitely many ways that we can look after ourselves and our health that are free. Exactly. And really well answered there. Um, on the nutritional front, just a caveat, organic food isn't necessarily healthier. So it's, it's good to know that it's how you view health. You know, it's not just food, it's ah. your whole lifestyle. So it's really good to know that one. Um, it works. Yes, and that's where... Go so that's it. where you're the expert in these things. I'm so <laughs> glad we're having this conversation together. Exactly. No, it's all good fun. Um, it worked for them, but not for me. So I must not be trying hard enough. I would definitely say fiction with that one. Exactly. You can't measure well-being. I would say that that's fiction too. Here we go. Interesting. The last question. It can take at least one year to truly change the way you feel. No, I would not think that that's fact. There we go. Well done. So that is the end of our fact or fiction round. Was it that bad? <laughs> <laughs> like with everything in life, I think we always build these things up in our head, don't we? And we always overcome them or we always succeed far better than we think we're going to. Yeah, it's always, always the way. And that does nearly wrap up our episode. But we do finish um, with our food for thought today. And I think mine will definitely be touching on the fact that Clodagh mentioned that we are all we are all different. And we need to really go slowly and, and start to maybe learn about ourselves and what makes us tick in order to manage different types of emotions, behaviours and feelings that are going to have an impact on our physical and psychological well-being. It's in a nutritional sense, there is a lot you can do through nutrition to improve your mood and sense of well-being. But as we actually just pointed out in the fact or fiction round, 
I, I, there's a lot of confusion and it's going to be finding what works for you because how do you define health when it comes to nutrition? For some people, it's just eating another portion of greens every week. For others, it would be that they manage to have three balanced meals in a day. It, I think everybody perceives it in a completely different way. So anyway, the nutrition is a front you can definitely check out the nutrition platforms for, but I urge you to definitely make more time to think about your diet and think about what makes you you flow basically and work well because i think just acknowledging it is probably the first step in being able to do something about it but cloda if you had a take-home message today for our listeners what would that be my take-home message and the thing that i'd like to leave listeners with is the idea that we have control over our lives and our well-being and how we feel about ourselves and our mental health so we can control our anxiety and stress levels through simple strategies if we build an awareness like you were mentioning to how we're feeling in relation to ourselves our internal world and also our external world we can control uh, how happy we are how our mental health is, whether it's positive, if whether it, that we're feeling stressed and anxious or overwhelmed or depressed. So we can really control these things. We can manage them. We have the power to, to change how we feel, how happy we are, how much joy we have in our life and how much joy we introduce into our life. So if you're, if you're experiencing a particularly difficult time or if it's been a really hard year for you, there are ways to build yourself back up. There are ways to make yourself feel happier, feel more self-confident. There are ways for us to change our behaviours to achieve our goals and to live a more fulfilled life. That's all within our power. It's all within our control. Yeah, that was absolutely lovely. Clodagh, thank you so much for sharing your words of wisdom with us today. Um, where can I direct anyone that wants to find out more about you and the work you do too? You'll find me on Instagram at the wellness psychologist. So the dot wellness dot psychologist. And I share lots of tips for living happier lives, for alleviating stress, anxiety, for quietening that inner critic in our mind and to help us to be more self-compassionate, to be more grateful. Um, yeah, lots of ways to help us to look after ourselves and to feel better. Oh, wonderful. Well, Claudia, thank you again for coming on Food for Thought. If you are enjoying Food for Thought, you'll absolutely love our up and coming episodes. So if you don't already subscribe, then make sure that you click to be the first to hear it every Monday. It would be brilliant as well if you have the time to leave a review and that would mean that we could reach higher highs in the charts and that would result in hopefully helping more and more people. For more information about my nutrition clinic, books, healthy recipes, and so much more, please visit nutrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.